Welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Justin Box. Embracing the journey of where we're heading. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like each week and we don't, it's silly to have an exact concrete picture of what it's going to look like. Um, but yeah, there's a picture of success in mind, there's goals and dreams and it's that his presence would just fill this place, that he would be honoured, that he would be honoured and, and loved first and that because of that, he just then just pulls it back on us and then we get to go, we love you. And then he gets to go, you're amazing. And we get to say, wow, we love you. And it's just back and forth connection relationship and it's so good. Hey, our Good Friday this year, Easter, Easter was always going to be on the date that it is. Um, but uh, our life is really full. Um, we are on our Good Friday service. We will not be having a traditional uh, Good Friday service. Um, we will be having, we're going to put, we're putting together a fundraiser for the Good Friday appeal. So that is going to be great. So we're going to have a traditional, whatever that means, Sunday morning, good uh, Easter Sunday service. It'll be just a normal service. It's going to be amazing. Um, But Good Friday, we are not having a traditional one hour service. We are doing a um, Good Friday family day fundraiser for the Good Friday appeal with every single cent that comes in. Um, is going to go straight to the Royal Children's Hospital um, for research and development and helping sick kids because sick kids is not okay. It's just not okay. So we are going to pray and believe for favour in prayer and supernatural breakthrough, but we're also going to put our um, money where our mouth is and, uh, and really sow in and combine that we're passionate about uh, with this church. We're going to combine the supernatural and practical. And it's not just money is not supernatural, and it's not just practical is not supernatural, but they, they intertwine. But is that cool? So I want you to mark that in your diaries if you're not going away to come and be a part of it. We're going to announce all the details. There's a lot of fun that's going to be happening. There's a few really cool fundraisers. We got together and we planned a few things and got some conversations this week coming to plan out the day. But we're really going to believe. Last year we took up a love offering, which was amazing, just out of the blue, no um, notice. And we raised $1,200 for the Good Friday appeal. And we sent that off. So we're currently being registered as an official fundraiser for the Good Friday Pill. I've been emailing one of the ladies that oversees it all. And uh, so hopefully, yeah, we should be able to get that all clear so that we can put on events in the future. And uh, Mel, Mel uh, Perry, Mel Perry um, works for the Royal Children's Hospital. So I want to chat with her during the week and just, yeah, she's passionate about the hospital and serving and her occupation. And there's so many nurses, Mum and Julie, and there's so many nurses here um, in the medical profession. And we're excited to just get involved and see breakthrough in this area. Is that cool? So I'm super excited. We're a little bit different, but we're going to do it. Is that cool? So good Friday, 10 till 1. We'll share all the details next week. Um, Volunteers is going to be essential for a successful event. So, um, yeah, if you're around in Melbourne, we would love you to be a part of it in some way. Is that cool? Now, um, we've, got some annou- we've got an announcement. Um, we've got such a great core team. Um, such a great core team. Uh, Mitchell Smith is on the core team. Lee Box is on the core team. I'm on the core team. It would be weird if I wasn't. Um, and then we've got uh, Hillary and Alex Dinopoulos. And um, just love them so much. And... Uh, and yeah, I just, that's all I wanted to say. I just wanted to say that we love him so much and that's it. Hill did a great job today, didn't she? Hillary just did a great job today doing transition, just powerful. Just, it was almost like she was operating as a mum. <laughs> They're pregnant. 
That was so bad. <laughs> so they're pregnant. And, yeah, they're expecting a little, what's that? Yeah. You just, you just freak out in that time. You know when you see a bump and you go, I'm confident you're pregnant. But, um, and then you, so it's like that. You just don't want to say anything in case. Having a little girl. How amazing is that? Um, September? <laughs> Cats finals. That'll be great. <laughs> yeah. Well done, guys. Plan that well. Um, no, nah, that is just amazing. So we're praying for you and just um, amazing, amazing. It's, it's amazing news. Um, when Al told me I cried at the coffee shop, it was great. So I love you guys heaps and we're, we're super excited about it. Great. So the, the journey, great segue. Um, you would be fully aware <laughs> of where we're at as a church um, that we're, we're talking about the journey, we're, we're talking about embracing the journey, we're, we've been talking about that it's really, really easy with our full lives um, to have an outcome mindset where we're, we're locked into and fixated on things happening or being fulfilled or completed. And we, we things being completed and fulfilled are great because if we've always got a list that never gets done or 17 alarms that go off on your phone each day and they don't actually get done. It creates all kinds of stress and anxiety in your world. It's called loose ends and many business people and and, um, encouragers would say that it's really important in our life when we're managing our physical bodies, our soul and also our spirit when we're doing life is to try and minimise the loose ends. So having lots of loose ends um, without actually completing or ticking off the box with a sense of fulfilment and completion is, is, can be dysfunctional for our life because it's, we're not quite sure and then time management struggles and then the issues of life come and we've got this big, big ball of life and nothing's being fulfilled. And I'm challenged by that, um, that whole thought of lists are important to fulfill, but then with understanding in the day-to-day that it is important to accomplish things, we can actually bring that into our overall life mission and life goal where we're fixated on the dream or the desire or the goal or the thing that we feel the Lord's put on us and we're fixated on the one day, what if, imagine when mindset where we're just trying to get through stuff to get to that. And we've been talking about how that's a problem because that isn't concrete. It's not 100%. It's not, yes, God's prepared stuff for us, but he's inviting us into his story and we get to do it together and often it's a surprise and things don't just happen. We spoke on Wednesday night about often we can have the mindset that we just get zapped by God on an altar call and all the things that we need fixing gets fixed and we wake up the next day and we're perfect where he's way more interested in preparing you so that you can handle the dream because we've all got dreams. So he's actually in the business of preparing your heart and character and soul so it has the capacity to handle the dream. Because make no mistake, everything that you want to see, his idea is that it happens through you, not happen to you. So God's not interested in just stuff happening to you. 
He's actually interested in it happening through you. Your prayer of him doing this or that in a city, region, ministry, people group, family, guess what? It's not going to be someone else. Yes, he'll use resource and family and connection and encourages to come in and join you on your journey, but he's so passionate about empowering you and equipping you and handing you the keys, which he's already done all three, and say, you know what? Everything you want to see, I'm going to be doing it through you. And it's confronting because we want help and help's important. Family's important. Connection's important. Doing life together is important. And I'll be sharing about that today. But firstly, to take ownership of my life and of my dream that he put in my heart, I need to go on a deliberate journey and embrace the journey, not being so fixated on the outcome that if it doesn't happen exactly the way that I need it to happen, think it to happen and want it to happen, then I freak out because God didn't answer my prayer. I'm fully convinced that often because we have an outcome mindset of how it has to happen right down to the detail and then God does answer, but I think that we think sometimes he doesn't answer because he answers differently. And we're sitting there going, it needed to happen like that, God, because that's the way I was praying. But you know that he's outside of time and space and his ways are higher than our ways and he's an absolute genius and he sees our life from beginning to the end. And he's the one that's passionate and fully invested and involved to seeing the good work, 1 Philippians, uh, Philippians 1, 6, that he began the good work and he's fully invested and passionate to see that come to pass. So he's fully aware and loves you more than you love yourself and fully invested and involved in your life and hears your prayer But there's this extraordinary part to the whole prayer deal that often we miss. We think God, we we say God's sovereign and we remove ourselves from all responsibility. So we say, God, you're God, and if anything's going to happen, it's all up to you and I've got no say. Which creates powerless people hoping that Jesus returns really quickly to rescue us. Which is a really selfish prayer because there's 7 billion people on the planet and lots don't know him. So for us to say, come and rescue us, five, five billion are in trouble. Maybe four, because we don't know everyone's heart. So this outcome, this prayer, this, it needs to happen like this. And we've all been guilty of it, of, of knowing if it doesn't happen like this, then everything's going to fall apart. It has to happen like this. And God's a genius outside of time and space and sees everything, as I said. And this is where we get to partner with him in trust. Remember, we talk about connection equals trust and trust equals peace. We all want peace, but if we don't have connection, we can't have trust. And peace is the fruit of trust. Because when you trust someone, ah, I trust you. You got my life. You made this whole thing up. (laughs) You invented it. (laughs) You invented me. You invented my brain. You invented everything. So help me trust the one that made up everything anyway. And can I come out of the way a bit, but not so far out of the way that if it's all up to you and you do what you want and I've got no say and I'm just a little worm in the corner praying weird prayers and I'm not sure if you're going to do anything because I don't really know what you want. I've got no peace because I can't trust you because I'm not sure if we can connect and it's just one big weird ball. 
But what he's saying is, hey, I'm upgrading you to friends. I'm taking you on a journey to embrace the journey. Yes, you've got an outcome, but actually, guys, this is God, actually, guys, I'm more, I care more about the process because 95% of life is the process. 95% of our life is the process and so often we're saying one day and I, and I really believe that we defer hope a lot of the time. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I really feel like we defer hope a lot of the time because we have a specific way the prayer needs to be answered. And sometimes I think God does answer the prayer, but we don't perceive it because we had a locked in outcome mindset and we missed him answering the prayer. So then we say that you didn't answer my prayer and hope gets deferred. And we miss this whole him moving in our life because he's answering different. Because there's a lack of connection and a lack of, a lack of him allowing us to become friends. Because guess what friends do? Friends know what the master's doing. We, we lived in America for 18 months and it was amazing. And um, we lived in Reading, which was, I think it's about 10 hours from LA, three and a half from San Francisco, then eight. But if you go all the way through, it's, it's 10 but there's a, so that's the I-5, it's called. It starts in Oregon, I think, and goes all the way down to San Diego, I believe. Um, so the I-5, straight, boring road. We drove it quite a lot because I didn't, didn't mind a bit of basketball. And uh, it was a two-hour drive. So um, I got a three-package deal for the Sacramento Kings, sat lower level, and it was just awesome. Um, and we drove down there a lot. No, I think we did the trip about 15 times to Sacramento, just doing flights, emissions, trips, basketball. And it's a long drive, like two hours on the same. It's just I-5 all the way down, I-5, I-5. And it's just boring. There's some nice countryside, but nice countryside's good first time you see it. And then, and then when you see it 15 times, two hours there, two hours back. Um, but then when you think Oregon to LA, it's probably over 15, 16 hours. And it's just boom, it's just boring. So, but to get there, it's, it's easy. So if you're in Reading and you go, I want to go down to LA and see a Lakers game or go to Universal Studios or Disneyland or Venice Beach or Santa Monica, which is all just great, great things. Love America. Um, if you want to just get there, you go the I-5. So you get, you've got a goal. I'm going to Universal Studios and we're going to go on the rides and it's going to be amazing. So I'm going to go on the I-5 because I want to get there. And it's, it's, a, it's a 10 hour just straight through Reading to LA and you get there and then you achieve what you want to achieve because your outcome, your mindset is LA. But then there was one time that Lee and I said, you know what, that coastline, I've heard about that coastline from San Francisco, starts at San Francisco, down to LA. It's called the 101, Highway 101. And it's the Californian coastline. And I've heard lots of great things about it. And I'm like, okay, we're, we are going to LA, but we're not in a hurry on this particular trip. We're not in a hurry. So, hey, why don't we take three or four days and experience the journey to LA? Make no mistake, we're going to LA and we're going to have fun in LA because we love LA. I heart LA. It's awesome. Just love it. But Lee and I said, hey, let's go on a journey. And you hear what I'm saying, that 
if we just straight shot down the I-5, it's just boring the whole way and we're fixated on LA when we get there. Da-da-da. But this experience was incredible. The amount of things that we actually stopped, we had a little picnic, a romantic picnic at Big Sur, where you just look over and there's bridges and, and rocks and waves and the redwood trees and these little towns, just incredible towns. You've got Pebble Beach Golf Course, these amazing places that if we were on the I-5, we actually miss. And there's no problem with jumping in the I-5. As I said, we've got to get stuff done sometimes. But it can't all be I-5. We've got, to, we've got to have this mindset of we've got to jump on the 101. We've got to jump on the 101 and embrace this journey. Because if not, we're skipping through life and we miss everything. Because the Lord wants to be present in every single area of our life. And I'm convinced that life is one big trial. Cheers. <laughs> but it's our perception and perspective in the trials, in the challenges, in the obstacles that are non-stop, can we be real, that we can have pure joy, that we don't have to be denial-based denial and weird. And some seasons are going to hit you so hard that, yeah, you need to mourn a bit and have close friends around you and, and walk you in and out of pain. Not, sorry, not in. Um, walk you out of pain. But I tell you what, we're, there's, a, there's an upgrade available for, for those that are friends with God. There's an upgrade available to have a perspective shift that we can actually remove an outcome mindset and we can actually embrace the journey. And I want to talk about something today that I've been trying to get to. And I've just been thinking about in a world that is marked by selfies and DIY. If you think about it, the last 10 years, those two things are very, very common. Everything's DIY now. Do it yourself. You go to Bunnings, Mitre 10. DIY. We abbreviate everything. We love it. DIY. Do it yourself. And the selfies become just this thing that's everywhere. Don't mind a selfie myself. Love one. Check my Instagram. There's probably a couple on there. But selfie and DIY is marking a generation where I can do it myself. We talk about self-made millionaire. I can do it myself. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm good. And we've got, we've got this, this theme happening everywhere where it's selfie, it's me, myself, and I, and we're losing the we, our, and us. Because we're, we're, that's a whole other deal of letting people in, but I'm not going there because we went there at the start of the year with friendship and how important friendship is. But this whole idea of selfie and DIY and I can do it myself and I can be a self-made millionaire and I achieved everything by myself, no one helped me. I did it myself, kicked down doors, broke down walls, did it myself, I'm a success story and we've got this mindset that I don't need help, I can do it myself and it's constant, do it yourself. You can, it's funny because the whole do it yourself thing, most of the projects you can't do yourself. <laughs> what they involve, hey, can you give me a hand power, I'll give you a couple of beers and maybe a pizza, you can come over on a Saturday and help me put together the shed. <laughs> hey Ferdy. Hey, helping Brett Morrison put up his shed and it took about 27 hours. You couldn't do it yourself. You needed Ferdy to do it for you, didn't you? Well, you sat, sat inside watching the basketball. <laughs> but we've got this idea of do it yourself, like do it yourself. And you go into Bunnings and you get a DIY kit and it says you need two people. Like what the heck? For this whole truth of 
I can do it myself. I can do it myself. And I'm like, I'm good. And I put boundaries up, but it's actually a wall. Because a boundary has a door in it and a wall doesn't. A wall says, I can do it myself. I don't need help. Thank you very much. Great. Oh, sounds like pride. Sounds like pride? Smells like pride. Is pride. And we get to this point where we're so used to it and it's this orphan mindset because we were orphans and we can come into the kingdom and forgive, get forgiveness but we fail to repent which is changing the way that we think and our action follows. So we, we get forgiven, awesome, we stand in the door of forgiveness and we fail to repent to actually enter into the kingdom and see all that he has for us, including the people around us that are within arm's reach to help us do the thing that God's called us to do. Because it's like, it's like the Bunnings deal. God's given, us, God's given us projects that he wants us to fulfill. He's given us assignments. He's on this commissional mission of going. He gathered them in and he sent them out. Matthew 10. He gathered them in and he sent them out and he said, hey, go and preach the gospel of the kingdom and prove the will of God. Demonstrate the will of God. Jesus said, my fuel, I don't want some bread, guys. My fuel is to do the will of the Father. My food is to do the will of the Father. God has commissioned us. He's put a mission on your heart, a specific calling. That's why as a church, we're going on this we're all doing, well, I shouldn't say all, I'd like to, and that's not having a crack at those who aren't, but we're going on a journey of discovering our why. We're going to do this. It's costing money. It's going to take hours to do, but we need to go on a deliberate journey to discover the assignment that God has for us. And these assignments are similar to the Bunnings faux pas of do it yourself, but you need 17 people to build the garage. This is similar. God's assignment requires, it's, it's unique for you, but he set it up in such a way that it requires multiple people to get the job done. Interacting, that's why we've got a heart that each ministry in the church prefers the other ministry. So if there's a clash of stuff, it's like, no, we prefer you. So we're not, it's not us versus you for auditorium time. It's not us versus you in cleanliness time. We'll cover you. We've got you. We prefer you, which is the ultimate act of humility. Jesus preferred us even when he said he didn't want to take up the cup. He's saying, God, I don't want to do this, but not my will, not, not selfish, not me. Jesus was actually showing, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say publicly that he was selfish, okay? But he was, he got to a point where he's thinking about the pain on himself. And he's saying, this is going to cause me pain, I don't want to do this. In fact, three times, says twice, and then it says, and a third time he said the same thing, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. So we've got the projects, the DIY selfie whole deal, and then we've got this idea about the journey and embracing the journey, not having the outcome mindset, knowing that we've got an assignment from God, knowing that it can't be done on our own. That's, that's sobering. So the assignment that, because we've all got an assignment. If we don't identify the assignment, we'll just put Christianity in a call into a big thing where coming to church, reading the Bible, doing all the practice actually masks 
and feels like you're doing the assignment. Do you know what I mean? Be encouraged by this. This is, this, is, this is like come up higher. This is amazing. You're amazing. We can discover this. All that practice is good, but we can actually get to a point where we're doing all the stuff, the Christian activity, and we're not actually in the why of why we were put on this earth. And all that stuff feels good and is good and necessary and encouraging and life-giving, but there is an assignment for you. We can get super weird and say it's so specific that it'll take you seven years to find out. Stupid. But then go over here and say it's just general, do what you want, and there's nothing actually. And then we diminish and, and put down the uniqueness about you, born in this era, on this continent, or you are now. God's all about people, all about connection, all about interaction. He created us for connection. Jesus came to restore connection. Jesus modeled connection by doing it with the 12, then broke it off into the three and then released the 72. A new commandment of Jesus, loved how Peter McHugh said that, that, that there's a new commandment. And people go, you can't add to the Bible, there's 12. It's like, well, Jesus said there's a new commandment. And he said it's to love one another. It's full of... It's all throughout the verses. It's the theme of the New Testament, getting along in unity, doing life together, being involved in each other's lives. Paul said that we not only impart spiritual gifts, we impart our life. That's a whole unpacking in itself because it's like, oh, yeah, I don't understand that. Move on. It's like, hey, what does that mean? That we do life together so I can impart my life to you. I can't impart humility in several ingredients that I've worked for. I'm still working on that. So we can't impart this stuff that you need to work for, but we impart the grace that we carry in areas of our life because we're doing life together. So, oh man, you struggle with that. Okay, cool. I've had breakthrough in that. Can we, can we do life together? And I'm going to pray for you and encourage you and pour into you and, and you're going to overcome this because I'm a living testimony because exactly what you did, I went through. And we impart our life where we know each other. God is all about people. But in this culture now, it's self-motivated, strong, independent. I can do it. I don't need anyone's help. I can do it on my own. And, it's, and it's, a, it's a conflict with the kingdom. And there's so, much, there's so much goodness in that attitude of determination and perseverance and pushing through and achieving and, 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 and gaining ground and, and having lists ticked off. But if it remains, I can do it myself and I don't need help, it's in, it's in total contrast with the way that God made this whole thing up, modelled in the New Testament. And again, if we don't read the New Testament, we've got no idea anyway, because that gives us the greatest lens of who He is. It sets a table that we can then experience Him. So one thing I want to hit over the next nine minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Okay, 15. <laughs> I want to talk about embracing feedback. Embracing feedback because we cannot do this on our own. Embracing feedback. Doesn't matter what journey you're on or what process or what the process is, you need help. 
building your body. As you can see, I've been going to the gym for probably six months now. Clearly, you can see. Um, and it's been a process. <laughs> Haven't been for two weeks, struggling. Um, but building your body, building a business, building a house requires a process. And as I said, you need help. To do those things well, you need help. Building your body properly, if you don't know what to do, you need help. If, you, if you're building a business and you've got no idea, outside a word of knowledge, supernatural thing, which might be one in a thousand, you need help. And we're open to that, amen? Totally. But building a house, you need help. We've been renovating. We need help. There's multiple contractors in us doing upstairs. We need help with it. I can't do everything. I'm great at a lot of things, but I cannot do everything. I don't have an electrical certificate. I can't do it. I need help. So for the goal for us is to finish our house, but that's not, that's not the be-all and end-all because that's part of our journey. So it's a list to tick off, but it's positioning us into the next phase of our life, setting our kids and family up in a great way. Yeah? So we need people. So what is feedback? What's feedback? I'm going to break this down. We need people, but then broken down, we need feedback. What's feedback? I came up with this own one because I didn't like the dictionary one. <laughs> now, that's, that's problematic. <laughs> I get that's problematic. <laughs> it's like, we just changed the word and you can't do that. <laughs> well, I, I paraphrased it because I, yeah, I'm just the guru. Failed year, year nine English, and eight and ten, and then the, <laughs> not in that order. And then they kicked me out. True story. Twenty minutes. Um, true story. At the end of year ten, because I didn't go to school because mum dad left at seven a.m. got home at four, so I just stayed home. They didn't know I. They didn't know I didn't go. <laughs> so good at Super Nintendo Mario Kart. Um, and um. Anyway, where, where was I? Where was I? Don't worry about the sermon. I'm trying to tell a funny story. Um, where was I? What was I doing? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, failed everything. Never passed a math class in my life. Ever. Ever. Maybe in primary school, um, but whatever. So then they call out about 12 people. Year 10 assembly, this is the end of the year. 12 people. Yeah, th- this happened. Um, and I'm like, oh, all the guys that got called out, oh, they're... They're, they struggle, you know what I mean, you know, and I'm like, I'm, I'm awesome and amazing, and I'm in this group of strugglers, and I'm like, what's happening here, and then the guy just went, and this is a bit spice, hey guys, you've all failed, you can leave, so then Justin, not born of the spirit back then, walked back and double birded the whole crowd, and um, went out the door, um, just, yeah, and then, um, and that, so yeah, that, yeah, that's a funny story, isn't it? Absolutely had nothing to do with the sermon. Oh yeah, because I, yeah, segue, because I, uh, I made up a new definition of feedback. <laughs> Boom. All right, come on, we can have fun, yeah? Not interested in pastoring if we can't do that. What is feedback? Information received... Can't wait for my feedback after this sermon, guys. <laughs> There'll be a message on my phone. We need a meeting at 10 a.m. Monday morning. <laughs> what is feedback? Information received from someone who directly experienced you via some way 
which is given as a basis for improvement. It's good, isn't it? I'll read it again. What's feedback? Information received from someone who directly experienced something from you in some way, which is then given as a basis for improvement. Again, we can't do this deal on our own. We need help. God's given us the assignment. I love how Paul says, but we have the mind of Christ. He could have said that you have the mind of Christ. There's a powerful statement in Paul saying, but we have the mind of Christ. Because collectively, the way we all see, the way we all perceive, the, way, the lens that we've been given to see the world and to see the kingdom and to see him, if we can do it collectively, we're not going to miss stuff. That's why the, he's going to bring peace through the bond, of, the bond of peace through unity. He goes, if there's unity, I'm going to command a blessing. It's not even a thing of, oh, I have to. It's like it's an automatic thing written in eternity that if there is unity, which is people coming together, agreement or disagreement, we can still have unity. What? Yeah, it's true. Disagreement, honor does not mean agreement. We can come together. But when we disagree, it actually is really important because it rubs and refines and, and causes humility and causes us to need each other because we don't have the full picture on our own. We've got the mind of Christ together. But feedback's really important because we miss stuff. If we go on a trip, what do you do before a trip? You want feedback. And you might say, no, I'm just getting information. No, no, you want feedback from other people that have been there and can tell you what not to do and what to do. It's best getting it from people you know rather than weirdos on a computer, but that's all they do on TripAdvisor. But, it's, but that is very, it's true. It is very, very important for you to actually do life with people and say, I'm going to Milford Sound. What do you think, Pastor Mike and Julie? And we've shared about this, that I love the journey more than the actual sound. But the sound was awesome. But the journey there was, wow, um, oh my goodness. So TripAdvisor is all about feedback. This is where I'm going and I need feedback so I can make a decision. God is all about feedback. Can we jump in? Um, you can take a quick note, or this will be on the podcast. Genesis 1, verse 9 to 10. I want to paint a picture that God is all about feedback from start to finish, and it's for growth. It's for you accomplishing the goal. It's for accomplishing the assignment, because you've been given assignment, and you can't do it on your own, so we need feedback. Does that make sense? Great. And God said... This is the creation story for those that haven't read it. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. No construction companies out of his mouth. Just phenomenal. Just think about that. The God that's in you now spoke and land just appeared. Separation, waters, boundaries, just amazing. And it was so. Simple as that. God called the dry ground land. And the gathered waters he called seas. And here's some feedback that God gave himself. And it was good. He's all about feedback. It's so ingrained in who he is that he had to give himself feedback. Created stars, sun, moon. So good. He did such a great job. And it's funny, but I'm painting a picture that he is all about feedback. If you look throughout the whole Bible, like it gets to a point when you focus on something, you go, oh, far out, it's everything. And as I've been studying and researching and putting together 17 pages that we probably won't get to today, 
I'm like, far out. It's everything. We spoke about, my message on Wednesday night could have been feedback. Yeah? Like Jesus creating an atmosphere of repentance so that they can change. And he's giving feedback the whole time. James and John, let's torture the city and kill everybody in the city because they're not repenting and they're not letting us pray for them. <laughs> Jesus is like, you don't know what spirit you're from. He's giving them feedback. Peter cutting the guy's ear off. He's giving him feedback. If you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. He's giving Peter feedback on what the two kingdoms are like and the one that now Peter is living in, what James and John are now living in. Jesus was constantly giving feedback. The Beatitudes, I spoke on Wednesday again, but flipping it around from repentance into feedback. He's giving them feedback on their life. He's talking through, hey, what are you doing about this? What are you doing about this? This is the attitudes that you've got. Jesus in Revelation, hey, you're doing great in this area. And then what does he do? He gives feedback. You're doing great here. You're passionate there. But what's the but? The but is an introduction to feedback. Why? So that they can grow. Without feedback, we can't grow. It's a true story. Can you think about Olympic athletes and coaches? What's the role of a coach? Feedback. Encouragement. Feedback. Hey, if you do this, I've been watching information received by the coach. So it's information received. Doesn't mean the athlete's speaking. The athlete's doing and performing and, and being consistent with the gift and what they've set up as a structure towards the goal of the Olympics and the gold medal. But the journey and process is imperative. That Olympics doesn't happen. The gold medal doesn't happen without consistency in the journey. So the coach is imperative. And what's the coach's role? Hey, amazing. You, you are killing it. Amazing. If you tweak this, you're going to go to the next level. So then for the next three months, they, they practice, they tweak. And what did he do? He was humble enough to embrace feedback, which positioned him further. Feedback, I will say it like this, never thought of it until two seconds ago. Feedback is like a slingshot. Where it feels like you're being pulled because we're right. And we're not good at letting people in because the way we think's right, the way that we do things is right, the way that we communicate's right, I'm right. The way that I communicate's right and the way that you communicate's wrong. So sort it out so you can receive how I communicate. We do it all the time. It doesn't matter what personality. I communicate differently and I can expect you to embrace how I am. You're just like, hey, dude, cut all the story and just tell me. It's like, no, you need to sort it out. No, no, no. Feedback is so important and it's like, hey, if you do this, you are going to go further than just keep on doing what you're doing. Without us embracing feedback, which is from a person, not the internet, then we, without it, remember, positive message, but without it, we can't grow. We can grow to a point, but without feedback from people who can actually see, we let in to see our life, then we're going to be stunted. And you'll have testimonies in a negative way. Because we've all got blind spots. Mitch, are you able to jump up, please? Thanks. Coaches see the potential and they call it out. We all have blind spots. What are some things that coaches do? There's two things I've found that coaches do. They identify things that we can do better from viewing our life, from viewing the, the gift and the attribute of, of what we're trying to achieve with the Olympics as, a, as an athlete, let's say. So they're, 
they're looking at things that we can do better. But then there's a flip side and they, they will see things that they need to stop doing. Because what they're currently doing is like a barrier, a blockage, a stoppage that they can't actually get there. They're like, hey, if you keep that technique, you'll be paralyzed there and you won't go to the next level. And then there's a flip side of, oh, I see what you're doing and you can do that better. That's amazing. And then another thing is, actually, that's not amazing. That's dysfunctional and it's going to hurt you. Think about this in our life, in church, in work, when it comes to people. And it's not about sport. Like who, who are we actually letting in to see how we treat people? In church. When I got to Bethel, I said, I know what I'm like. You saw a glimpse. I'm just opening up slowly. You know what I'm like. I love fun, but then we just go and we go kingdom, come on. And then sometimes combined and we have a party and it's awesome. But I said to my revival group pastor, Leslie Crandall, who hopefully will come out next year. They've said yes, but just not a year. And I said to her, I I said to her at the start of the year, after I dealt with the whole, I don't want to be a leader thing. (laughs) And she laughed at me. But she just loved me for where I was at because I was just that I need to stop doing or I can do better. I want you to tell me. You've got full permission. Because I need to balance the fun and crazy with serious. That's one of my things. And I learned it over there. And I'm still learning it today. But I said to her, I said, you have full permission to speak into my life and I don't care how hard it is. I'm the type of person that can have a slap if I've got connection with the person. But I need it. I need, I need to go, hey, you've got full access into my life and I need feedback. Often I'll message between five and 20 people after a Sunday morning about give me a couple of things that, that was good with the message and that can get weird, but I need to do it. And, and one thing I can improve on. Someone once said, be careful with the Greek because there might be some scholars here. So just be tight with that. And don't just be loose and flippant with it because it's a big deal. I'm like, that's great. I can get think I'm a Greek scholar because <laughs> I looked up a couple of words. But this whole deal about feedback, let me say this. This will go down, but the Lord will lift us all up again. I guarantee that because of your personality, temperament, the way you think, the way you communicate, and the way you conduct yourself, that right now, as we speak, you are negatively affecting people in some way. (laughs) It's true. But a lot of us aren't aware of it. And it's possible to go 30, 40, 50 years, and then we have this thing, oh, they won't change. I've heard that multiple times from spouses. Oh, it's just the way he is. I'm like, yeah, there was no feedback. There was no humility. There was no, I give you permission to speak into my life because what's the purpose of this whole deal? To grow into the person that can handle the dream. I really believe that the dreams, we talk about awakening dreams and that's good. I like prophesying that. Probably prophesy it in the next six months. The Lord's awakening dreams. But I'm like, mm, we'll say a lot of stuff. We can say awaken dreams, but if we don't position ourselves with consistency, with embracing the journey and with getting feedback, we will never handle that prophetic word of the dream being awakened. We can quote Joel 2.28 all day long. We can quote Acts 2.17, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit in all flesh, prophesy, dream dreams, have visions. We can do it all. But it is dependent 
on us going, again, we do not go into works mode, striving mode for performance mode. That's, that's somewhere else, whatever. We don't do that. So I'm not always going to bracket it. I trust that we don't go there, yeah, when I say stuff that sometimes feels a bit heavy. But we've got to go on a deliberate journey which takes discipline, disciple, discipline. It's going to take sacrifice. I'll challenge you. This is great. Feel the Lord on this. I'll challenge you. We've got to have areas of sacrifice always happening in our life. Your ministry should never be a sacrifice for decades. Because God wants you in a ministry that you love and it's thriving. A couple of years, yeah. But there's always got to be some area. But, but this whole sacrifice deal comes from feedback from other people. If we're making all our own decisions on what we should do and what we shouldn't do, we get into a space where we think like we're awesome. And we'll read a prophetic word on Facebook that says God has got you exactly where he wants you. And you read it and go, awesome. I'm like, not every prophetic word on Facebook's for you. What does a prophetic word mean? Uh, need. It needs to embrace it, to understand it, to share it with other people that already know your life. And then you go up to Aaron and go, hey, Az, God's got me exactly where he needs me. That's what he said. I saw her on Facebook and f- felt good, looked good. It was on Facebook. When I turned on, well, mate, you turned on 80 times as well. But when it turned on, then you saw it. And then he knows my life, as knows my life. He knows that I'm not where God wants me to be. But we just read a post and then go automatic. Oh, prophetic. It's cool. It's where I want me. And then it condones everything that we're doing. And God's like, you are too amazing. You have too much in you. I am too for you. I've set your life up. I'm fully invested and involved. The seed that I've put in you, I'm, I'm passionate to bring it to completion. The journey's amazing. I've got great outcomes, but the process, I want to be present with you. I'm more important, it's more important to me with your character developing. And at no age do we stop growing. At no age do we stop giving people full permission into our life. That's intimacy. Into me, you see. You can, oh, my passion is... And it comes from connection. But people would say to me, whatever you see, let me know. But often when there's not permission, you're just blocked. And you're like, I'd love to give you feedback. John Maxwell said that if I spent 24 hours with you, I could watch your life and tell you exactly your priorities in life. And then he said, and then he could give feedback and their life would change in a week. I'm praying for this culture of family to develop and I'm aware that it takes time. It has to take time because it's hard. We're believing for miracles and we're believing for authentic relationships and they're the two hardest things any church could pick to be some core values. But as I said, like, why are we going to bother if we're not going after some stuff that only he could do? This whole Good Friday, oh, Sorry, he just got me mid-sentence. I want to raise a million dollars one day for him. And if we don't start in a month's time, it's never going to happen. And I'm getting some good feedback about, hey, you should have started this in August. Like, yeah, had a bit on, but did drop the ball. Feedback, I want to grow. How are you feeling? You feeling good? Let's stand to our feet.